now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, you're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Lori Zorn, Insurance Manager for Island Savings, and Denise Webster, Mortgage Broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group. If you need an opinion from experts in mortgages and insurance, Denise and Lori are great people to chat with. You can find their contact information by visiting the CFAX 1070 website. All you've got to do is look under Shows, and you'll find us, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. There you'll find their contact information. Uh, or, of course, you can always reach out to me, and I'd be happy to connect you. Also, just a reminder, too, if you're thinking about making a move, whether buying or selling real estate, that is really my primary job. I'm a longstanding realtor here in Greater Victoria. I have been helping people for 26 years, and I would love to help you as well, too, if you need some assistance. You can find me online, again, the CFAX 1070 website, uh, or just Google me. You'll find a country singer, first of all, Tony Joe White. But then you'll find me, the Victoria real estate fellow. Tony Joe White just turned 74, by the way. The Victoria market is shifting from a detached family home to a condo, uh, sorry, from a detached family home town to a condo town. With affordability a serious issue, people are getting into the market nowadays by buying condos. In my 26 years in the business, I don't think I've seen this much new product coming online. And sales are brisk. In many ways, we are much like a mini Vancouver or Toronto. We have more population coming into Greater Victoria. Everyone needs a place to live, whether it's renting or buying. And of course, the cost of homes are getting so high that it is more reasonable for people to start in the condo level. So today, we're talking about buying a condo. We're going to be covering financing with our show partner, Denise Webster. We also will be talking about inspections of your strata lot with Carrie Smith from Inspectech. And we'll have a conversation about strata property manager with Dennis Fimright from Firm Management. Let's start with our show. Let's start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a question or curiosity about real estate, call us on our hotline, which is 250-414-6540, or find us online at cfax1070.com. Let's start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a question or curiosity about real estate, call us on our hotline, which is 250-414-6540, or find us online at cfax1070.com, and we'll discuss it on air. This week, I received an email from Jennifer. Jennifer asks, I am wanting to sell my revenue property and are concerned about our long-term tenants. How can we sell without being disruptive? That, that's a great question, Jennifer. Uh, we've had something similar to that, I think, in, uh, in a prior show. Uh, this is a conversation about the Residential Tenancy Act because you're concerned, of course, about your good long-term tenant uh, and not wanting to upset them with showings uh, and potentially being asked to move if the new buyer wants to take over that particular property. The Residential Tenancy Act uh, protects tenants in cases just like this. There's a number of things that uh, you should know and your tenant should know as well too. First of all, the only way that the tenant could be asked to leave the property is if the new owner is going to be using it for their own personal use 
or if they're going to be doing substantial renovations. Uh, in which case, in both cases, they need to provide a minimum 60-day notice in writing to the tenant in order to move. That is presuming, by the way, that the tenancy is a month-to-month tenancy. Uh, if they're in a lease, for instance, a 12-month lease or, or, or whatever, uh, the lease prevails. But on a month-to-month basis, they could be served their notice. The uh, other part of the notice period is that the landlord is responsible for giving them back the last month's rent. So there is that protection in place for tenants. The reason, by the way, that 60-day notice exists is because the, the whole idea is it would be wrong for somebody to ask a tenant to leave just to find a new tenant and increase the rent. We're seeing that a fair amount today where tenants have been in a place for a long amount of time and rents can only increase a certain amount every year. So there are tenants right now who are enjoying a really reasonable rent right now because of the fact that their rents haven't gone up significantly. And when investors come in and look at properties, they might say, well, you know, this place here, uh, they're right now getting $800 a month rent. The market value is more like $1,300 a month rent. Uh, It would be nice if we could ask the tenant to leave so we can replace them with a new one. Well, that is illegal. You can't do that. And uh, tenants should be happy to know that because you are protected from that sort of activity. That's why you can only be asked to leave if the owner is going to be moving in and using it themselves or if they're going to do significant renovations. Now, the question is, what is a significant renovation? Probably something that would require the tenant to be out of the place for a time, uh, doing a major job on kitchen or bathroom. If you have no bathroom, it's kind of hard to, to live at the place there. Um, those would be the cases. But anyone who's giving that sort of notice has to be very careful that that is truly the intent, and that's exactly what it is they're doing. Um, Further, Jennifer, you were asking about how to minimize disruption on your tenant. Um, Well, the other thing, too, is the tenant is is, uh, allowed to have 24 hours notice for showings. You as the landlord, of course, can access the property uh, whenever you like to inspect the property or to show prospective buyers through your agent. You must, however, at least provide 24 hours notice uh, for the tenant. Um, The thing that we find very handy is, because tenants are important. Tenants can either make your sale very easy or very difficult. So consequently, you want to make sure that you keep good relations with your tenant and your realtor too should make sure that they keep a good relationship with them as well. What I find typically that works well is if we set up a set showing schedule for the tenant. So, for example, I'm thinking of one of our properties right now. We have showings, I think it's Monday, Wednesday, uh, and Saturdays between 2 and 4. So the tenant knows that those are the showing times. We still need to give the 24-hour notice. Like, we can't just say every one of those days there's going to be showing. We still need to give the notice the day before, but at least the tenant knows that those are the specific times. Sometimes we don't have a showing, for instance, on a Monday, uh, which case everything is fine. But it gives them a, a sense of uh, surety. Like there's not going to be any surprises. There's not going to be somebody knocking on the door saying, oh, you know, I've got an appointment. I want to show your place. Uh, set showing times are great. And any good market, as we have here in Victoria, generally speaking, any investor or buyer who's interested in the property will adhere 
to the schedule, as long as it's a reasonable time. I mean, if you've got uh, times only in the morning or something or, or uh, really odd times of the day, it's going to be difficult. Uh, but generally speaking, we find that tenants are very amenable to, to having that set schedule. But getting back to your question, Jennifer, it is really, really important to make sure that you don't disrupt your tenant. Uh, I hope for them, uh, and even for you as well too, that the buyer that you find will be keeping them as a tenant. Uh, there are so many people right now that are looking for investment properties. Sometimes they're willing to take a tenant who is paying a lower rent right now because hopefully it's a good tenant. Uh, I've seen uh, properties that have had tenants for 10 years, 15 years, even more. And there's a lot of value to having a good tenant who considers that property almost like their own because they take after things, they, they, take, they, they look after things, they take good care of the entire property, and it's really good for resale value. Uh, so if you have a question about real estate, again, visit the cfax1070.com website, or you can call our hotline, which is 250-414-6540. And as a reminder, too, if you're a podcast listener, you can download our prior shows on iTunes or Google Play. And also, if you have any topics that you would like covered on our weekly home show, the whole home show with Tony Joe, happy to listen to you. So just get in touch with me either through the – you can get in touch with me so many ways, through the CFAX site, through my own personal uh, website, Facebook uh, LinkedIn, uh, my email, my website. Uh, there's no reason why you can't get in touch with me. I'd love to chat with you. Anyways, we are having our show today on stratas, buying stratas, getting a mortgage for strata, getting it inspected, talking a little bit about property management. And again, we're seeing a lot more people getting their first home in the form of a condominium today than detached single-family home. This is a very timely topic. You'll want to hear it. We're going to take a quick little break right now. When we get back, we'll be talking mortgages with Denise Webster. Back in just a moment. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're going to have a conversation about strata ownership today. And right now with us in the studio, we have our show partner, Denise Webster, who's a mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group. Denise is known to all of our listeners because you've been on so many times. You're the person to talk about mortgages. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you again, Tony. Now, you wanted to follow up on a comment that we just talked about because Jennifer uh, emailed uh, being concerned about her tenant. It. And mm-hmm. we talked about uh, the new buyer taking over. Now, you've got a point that we should bring up. Yeah, from the borrowing side. So if that purchaser of that rental property is interested in buying it as their primary home, but there's an existing lease on that uh, for that tenant. So let's say they have six months left in their lease. The lender is actually going to view that you are buying a revenue property because you cannot take occupancy right away. And you will be receiving revenue for those first six months. So where that could come as a shock is if that buyer was, you know, buying that home with less than 20% down, um, because you can as your primary home, um, but we found uh, that there was an existing lease, then they will actually want to repackage that purchase as a rental property. Which is 20%. Which is minimum 20% down. So that's something that could really surprise you, thinking that you were able to go in and make an offer and only have 5% down, and you'd have a rude awakening to see. Now, we have been known to make exceptions uh, if we can actually have a clear end date, but I have not seen lenders do something over six months. If it's under six months, we might find a lender that could make an exception to that rule, but they don't want to see anything longer than that because you are collecting revenue. You know, that's the reason why we like having you around. (laughs) 
because <laughs> things pop up like this. Never even thought about it. Uh, I learn things every day when I'm here on the show. So thanks for that. You're welcome. Thank We're talking you. Stratus today. Mm-hmm. You are a mortgage broker. You help people buy their first homes. Uh, let's talk about things that people need to know about when buying a condo, a strata, as opposed to buying a house, because there's a few more things involved in the mortgage process. Absolutely. the uh, We need to see quite a few documents um, uh, based on what I need to review in order to make sure I know my borrower is qualified. But more so, um, what is the lender going to be looking for about that property itself? What could be a concern to the lender? So right away, if we've got an offer, we want to be looking at what's called the Strata Form B. This is a document that will um, disclose um, some information about that particular unit and a little bit more about the property itself. So what we're particularly looking for is if there's any um, legal pending action on that unit uh, or on the building, if there's any special assessment, we can get into that a little bit later, but if there's any future expenses that are coming up that are entitled to that unit paying, um, that's going to be disclosed on the Form B. Um, and anything that's really unresolved uh, might be noted on there. Uh, right. I, I, I should mention, the Stratiform B is a provincial form, and people obtain that, generally speaking, from either property management or the uh, Strata executive. Correct. Uh, and it is a set form. Like, they all look the same. So the questions Fill are... Fill in the blanks, yeah. Yeah. It, it, the questions are, uh, how much are the monthly Strata fees? Is the owner behind in Strata fees? Uh, well, as you mentioned, is there a special assessment coming up? Uh, even goes through questions like how much money is in the contingency reserve fund, what the insurance uh, coverage is, what the parking stall and storage locker is, and if it's common property or if it's owned by the unit. Uh, a number of very important things. And finally, how many units in the complex are rented? Yes, that's a good one too. Yeah, so and at the end of that form, there's also four boxes that need to be checked uh, to see if the Strata Council can provide additional documents that go along with that Form B, and that would usually be the rules and regulations, um, a budget, mm-hmm. a depreciation report, and possibly a engineer's report if it had been done. And if those boxes are checked off saying that the Strata Council has those, they have to be provided up front with that Strata Form B. Yeah, a lot of information. A lot of documents, yeah. yeah. So the lenders are very curious about this because, of course, the lender is fronting all the money. Correct. So it's an investment for them. So the lender is obviously reading all this information. Now, do, do you typically read all this information? I do my darndest. I, I, do, I do dive into it because um, it, how I want to present that to my borrowers is actually we are looking out for you in this scenario because I want to know if there's some special assessment that's going to come up in this building that could cause my borrower to be in a financial hardship. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the lender's looking for as well. Could this special assessment that's in a year away cause our borrower to default their mortgage because they just don't have the funds to fulfill a special assessment in the near future? Yes. That's so, what we're looking for. So what for. you're saying is, for instance, leaky condo. Yep. If all of a sudden it's found out that the building needs to be reclad and the exterior needs to be done, maybe new windows, whatever, and if everyone needs to chip in and pay sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars, maybe that could uh, put your buyer, the new owner, into a really bad financial position. Absolutely. Another really quick uh, check. 
that surprises people is they see the Stratiform B and they see that that contingency fund, or we call the reserve fund, how much have the strata saved for these future expenses? It can look like a really big number. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, no, there's plenty of money in the reserve fund. But I just remind my borrowers to divide that by the number of units. And now you'll actually see how much is allotted per unit. I know it's a little bit more detailed than that with square footage and whatnot. But if you just do that simple math, you'll realize that maybe $2,500 sure would not cover every window wow. being fixed per unit. Yes. So that's a quick check to see how strong that contingency fund is on the building. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you mentioned the, the leaky condo in any form of unknown water. I guess is the best way. If we read some strata minutes, there's a. if you want to get further into those strata documents, you're actually going to look at the last 12 months of their special, um, their special AGMs or uh, just their monthly strata council meetings. And if there's so, some... So that's, that's special general meetings and annual general meetings. Correct. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in these uh, meetings or these minutes, uh, if there's some mention of uh, we've discovered water forming in a pool in the corner of the Northeast building, um, and we're looking into it. That a lender does not want to know because it actually hasn't been resolved. It hasn't actually been investigated, and that water can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So if it's not actually resolved, and we can't prove it with notes that the council has had quotes put together or that it has been um, fixed, um, then a lender most likely will not want to proceed on a building like that because that's an unknown future expense. Scary. And we're, could be a major expense. So we're here with our show partner, Denise Webster, who's a mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services, Modern Mortgage Group. In many ways, this is a security for a consumer because yes. if the building is a problem and the lender or any lender will not provide funding, it's a good sign for them to back off. Absolutely. And I really need to my borrowers to understand that because they may have their heart set on the property, but we really need to break it down. And that depreciation report is going to help us do that because the inspection has done a very thorough look at those future expenses over the next 5, 10, 20 years. And if you don't see a big lump sum money coming into your life in, in the future and you know there's expenses coming up, that might not be the purchase for you. Got it. We've talked about depreciation reports on this show before, and the other thing, too, is not all depreciation reports are good. Correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just yep. because they have one doesn't mean that they're going to get no. instant financing, right? No, and there's a lot of older buildings in Victoria that have not gone through um, some updates or upgrades, and they're coming. They're, they have to. There's going to be a big expense like an elevator or a roof. Those are, those are things that a buyer has to be aware of that will have to be improved. Yeah, I mean, you just talked about water ingress, and you, you know, we were talking about leaky condo and the envelopes, but that's another point: is the roofs. We'll talk about that with Carrie uh, after your your segment here. But there's so many things that can go on with a strata that are very different from a house. Yes, yes, absolutely. We want to know on the house that that full inspection's been done on the house, but inspecting a, a major condo building. Um, you know, we're not so concerned about the unit itself. We want to know the whole building as a whole. And that's what that depreciation report's really going to help us with. Yes. And there's also, of course, the property condition disclosure statement that sellers generally fill out when they list a property for sale and ask questions about, are they aware of any structural problems, any water ingress, mm-hmm. uh, anything like that. But the thing that we do find every once in a while is if a seller hasn't lived in the unit or is renting it, they don't complete it. 
No. So there's a question mark about, you know, are, are they trying to limit their liability, right? Mm-hmm. They have, you know, they're disclosing that they have not lived in that unit uh, for the last number of years or whatnot. So they do not know the current condition of the property. It's probably been a revenue property. Yeah. And that's, we see, we do see that a lot. That property disclosure statement is, is clearly just crossed out saying uh, not have not lived on the premise. So buyers should do their due diligence. Absolutely. Okay, Denise, as always, people need to reach you. How do they do that? Uh, directly on my cell phone at 250-889-4743 or email me at denise at denisewebster.com. So to our CFAX listeners, when you call Denise on her cell phone, make sure you say, hi, Denise, I'm a CFAX listener. I'd be loved. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to know that you heard me on the show. Great. Well, thanks for being one of our show supporters. We're talking about stratas and buying condos. We just had Denise Webster with us. Next, we'll be moving to building inspection with Carrie Smith back in just a moment. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Today, we're talking about strata ownership and things you need to know about stratas, that be condos, those be condos, or townhouses, or strata dwellings. Before you buy, what do you need to know? We've had a conversation with Denise Webster about mortgage financing. Now we have with us Carrie Smith, who is a building inspector with Inspectec here in Victoria. Thanks for coming, Carrie. Good morning, Tony. Good to be here. Now, okay, at the break, let's get right into this because between the breaks here, you just told us a harrowing story about an inspection that you've done. Tell us about, tell us what you said. Well, it was actually just this morning. I was over at uh, uh, kind of an executive class building here in Victoria, and um, it was built in 1999, kind of at the end of the leaky condo era. And I remember watching it go up thinking, wow, these guys are really putting this building together right. I was completely impressed with the uh, construction the construction management, it was, they were doing a good job. Uh, and imagine my surprise five years later when I see the tarps going up on this building that was, you know, I couldn't believe it. It's what's going on. This is a great building. But of course they build the staging and, and it got remediated. Um, that was about six or seven years ago. So I was inspecting one of the penthouse suites in that building this morning. It's a big condo. It's 4,800 square feet. I, I should, all of a sudden I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> all right. And, going. um, the, the owners there, they've been, here for, been there for some time. Their special assessment, based on the unit entitlement, the square footage of their suite, was $460,000. So the building needs to get remediated again? No, it was done. Oh, it was this done. This is what they paid. Oh, my goodness. As their share of the remediation costs. All right. It was just because it's 4,800 square feet. It's actually two condos that were joined together to make one. But we're, 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 we're used to hearing 50000 60000 even a hundred but almost half a million dollars. Well, it makes sense. Paid. You know, if you, if you're, if you've got a suite that's four or five times the size of the average, then yeah. your assessment is going to be four, four or five, five times. times the size. Yeah. But that is pretty scary. Uh, Kira, you've been an inspector for years here. And in fact, your background is in construction because you were a contractor for, for many years. Yeah, that's correct. I'm a third generation Victoria builder. My grandparents emigrated from England in 1902, right to Victoria. Wow. And grandpa was a plumber, actually worked for the municipality of Saanich his whole life and also built houses on the side. And then my dad was born in Victoria in 1917, became a builder. I came along, fell into the family curse, and became a builder. <laughs> yeah, there's not too many of us of Victoria born and raised uh, folk around. And Denise, you're not from Victoria, right? I sure am. Yeah. Are, are you? Raised, Imagine that. Parents, born grandparents, born yes. Is that three of four in the same room? Or? <laughs> <laughs> island boy. Yeah. DJ or producers from the island as well. That doesn't count. you got to yeah. be from Victoria. <laughs> wow, first time ever. This is, uh, yeah, good stuff. Anyways, so you've been at uh, construction for, for a very long time. We're talking about condos today. Mm, yes. So tell us about your approach when doing an inspection on a condo versus just a traditional home. 
Well, um, it, it's a little more sophisticated. There's a lot more engineering involved in a condominium building. With a house, the building code handles the foundation, but of course, uh, an underground parkade with these massive suspended slabs, this is big engineering stuff, and the mechanical systems, you know, the predictable items. And so uh, there's just more detail to pay attention to. And uh, the good ins- there's lots of good inspectors in Victoria, and they tend to spend as much time on the building as they do in the actual suite um, examining the uh, components. Uh, so it's a, it's a little bit bigger approach. The, there's always a distinction with the age of a building. Um, wood frame construction kind of evolves in 10-year increments. You can always tell a 50s house from a 60s house, a 60s house from a 70s house. And of course, or so sorry, here. Do you mean by design or by uh, construction uh, methods? Design and material selection. Okay. Um, new materials are being invented. All the hardy plank siding, for example, has been around for about 25 years now. Um, new materials drift in and drift out constantly, and and methodology uh, also evolves over time. The uh, the uh, condominium era that we were talking about, where they had water problems. Um, has generated the idea of this rain screen building envelope or siding stucco installation where there's an airspace behind the exterior skin. Um, the engineering community takes credit for this invention, but it's actually been around for about 100 years. Okay. Uh, I and, and for listeners to know, basically that's how condos are sided today where you're not doing face seal stucco. You're not, you're not, there's an airspace between the exterior of the building and the um the Actually, there's sheathing. a second exterior is what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. There's the, the plywood sheathing yeah. uh, that's nailed onto the studs, and then there's building paper, and then there's spacer boards, and the stucco or the siding that goes on actually has about a three-eighths of an inch airspace behind it so that any moisture that gets through that outer skin has a chance to either drain out or, as vapor, ventilate out because warm air rises in that cavity behind the exterior skin and, and helps to exhaust any uh, damp buildup. So but you were saying the engineering uh, community takes credit for this, but it's been around for a long time. Over I've, uh, Yeah, I've seen 100-year-old um, character buildings where behind the wood lath stucco, there's also vertical pieces of lath stucco, so that lath is actually spaced from the building paper as well. It's kind of, uh, kind of cool. Um, but we were talking about uh, the scope of the inspection and what's involved. And um, there's a little bit more, uh, the factor of this, this um, era of construction, these 10-year increments. Uh, we're all familiar with buried oil tanks in house construction. Yes. We read papers, stories in the paper all the time. But there's lots of condominium buildings that have buried oil tanks too. And that's not really considered. Just about, I, I don't know of a single one that I worked on in the 70s and 80s that did not have a buried oil tank with their hot water uh, boiler system. Yes. A lot of those buildings today, we consider it an advantage because heat and hot water is sometimes included in the strategies because they have these massive systems. But there was no gas in Victoria in, that's in right. before the 90s. So that's why everything was oil. They were all oil, and uh, these big 2,000-gallon tanks were buried out in the parking lot somewhere. And when we converted to gas in the 92, 93, 94, the concern for oil tanks hadn't come along yet. Mm-hmm. So these tanks were just the traditional method. They were filled with sand and forgotten about. And every now and then I'll, I'll find one in a condominium building and nobody knows. The strata doesn't know, the buyers don't know, the realtors don't know. But they phone the city of Victoria or Saanich and find out, oops, yeah, there's, a, there's an oil tank there. Yeah, and that is pretty scary because people don't expect that. Well, well no. And 19 times out of 20... Uh, a buried oil tank, even for houses, it's oftentimes just a, a four or five thousand dollar expense. 
one time out of 20, it gets a little more success, um, significant, up to 20 or 30,000. And one in 100, it's sometimes more than the building's worth. Pretty scary. We're here with Kerry Smith from InspectDeck. He's an inspector here in town. We're talking about inspecting condominiums. Now, you made a comment about the fact that an inspector may spend as much time, if not more, going around the the exterior of the building than the unit itself. You know, we've often wondered about this because there's only so much you can check out in a unit, right? So uh, what are some of the things that you're looking at when you're walking around the outside of a building? Well, in a condominium building, we can see more of the foundation. In a house, it's usually entirely buried, and you might see a bit of the top of the foundation wall, but in a condominium, you can go into the underground parkade, and you can see all these 10- and 12-foot foundation walls and look for cracking, of course. The obvious common-sense things, is there any moisture ingress, any signs of shifting or movement in the building. Uh, Another thing, of course, is the geography of the part of the city the, the building's in. Um, they don't call Rockland Rockland for no reason. Oh, okay. I never thought of this. Oh, yeah. It's pretty right. pretty rocky. Okay. <laughs> and so those buildings are right on the crust of the earth. There's no way they're going to move. They don't get settlement because it's just, you know, rock solid, literally. Okay. And then there's some sandier areas around Cordova Bay Ridge, for example, where uh, you get a lot more movement. And also um, there's, there's areas that we uh, consider for pests. Um, Curiously, the major malls, Can West Mall, Tillicum Mall, even Mayfair Mall, tend to be ground zero for termites and carpenter ants. Really? It's the strangest thing, particularly Tillicum Mall. Yeah. Um, and it ha- relates to the previous disposition of these uh, zones where they were rural areas, lots of trees around, and even today around Tillicum Mall and out in Can West on Jenkins Roads. Mm-hmm. Um, a-, a lot of those houses have had uh, uh, an elevated amount of insect activity. And, of course, the condominium buildings that are there are also vulnerable to that zone. And, um, you know, an experienced, skilled inspector will know this and be able to advise as to the, uh, the level of, uh, of risk. And, and I, I do know, too, having, having seen it, that quite often things that inspectors like yourself will bring up to a strata end up being some very handy information for the strata because oh, yeah, they may sure. not know. If yeah. they haven't seen a, uh, they haven't had a sale in some time, uh, this is the first time they've had an inspection, then I, I'm sure they thank you for that. Yeah. There's another uh, component with that is uh, the world's full of people, and we all have our, our cute and, uh, and curious uh, weaknesses. And where um, with the Strata Council, of course, they all work in the building or live in the building. And um, it's, it's kind of human nature that if you look at something often enough, you stop seeing it. And coupled with the idea that buildings change really slowly over time, uh, and when the building's new, of course, there's nothing to do. And for the first few years of the building's life, that kind of becomes the uh, the status quo where you don't have to clean the gutters, you don't have to paint the Because everything's newer. It's all huh? brand new. Yeah. And people just kind of get lulled into this little, you know, cushion. And pretty soon in year seven or year eight, water's pouring over the gutters because they're packed. And, well, uh, they never thought they had to do it because it was fine up yeah, until that moment, yeah. right? And so they kind of wake up usually in those years, year six, year seven, year eight, when the buildings get up and say, oh, my goodness, look at this. Well, I, guess we better, I guess we better do something about that. And, and sometimes the alarm is sounded when they have a depreciation uh, examination done or just a, a simple building inspection like we do. And it, it's a rare incidence where we don't uh, discover or uncover three or four details about the building that uh, strata corporations really need to know. One of them is the simplest fix. They don't lock the roof access hatch. 
Okay. Uh, every second building I look at. Okay, so this is a frustration for us when we have an inspection done and and it's like, oh, it's locked. <laughs> this is a real hassle. What you're saying should be locked. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's no sense buying a fire extinguisher the day after the fire. Okay. <laughs> so lock the lock the hatch. I mean, imagine if some kids got up there oh. and fell off the roof. Yeah. Or orangutans, cowboys, you know, the Friday night crowd. Got it. Get up throwing beer cans. I mean, why wait for an accident? Man, lock the hatch. Lock Which the is hatch. a reminder, too. People should not be walking around on a roof. A roof is a very sensitive um, thing, right? Absolutely. Roofs aren't fragile, but, you know, they need to be taken care of gently. And foot traffic it will, will kill a roof and it, shoot, it, shoot it down in, in half of its normal service life. And oftentimes around the hatch cover where service people step out, you see the roof's completely shot, whereas the rest of it's got 10 or 15 years left. So uh, there's no need for unauthorized roof access. And um, it's a simple thing, $10 for a lock. Yeah. So uh, really, really a good idea. All right, so uh, a lesson to all the stratas out there. Make sure you have locked your uh, your hatch. Hey, before I forget, Kara, if people need to reach you or they want to have an inspection done, how do they do that? Uh, well, our website is, of course, inspectech.org. And then our uh, direct line, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is 250-920-8324. i got to say, you know, one of the neat things about Carrie is that you have your office in your van. Oh, yeah. So when you do your inspection, you're actually speaking to your uh, your helper who's typing in the background so that when people come and get their inspection, uh, you not only walk through it, but it's all there typed out in essay form uh, with uh, photos and everything. It's it's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. they get the total package by the time the job is done, and we, we have uh, each of us a secretary in the van. We communicate with a little walkie-talkie and a, and a headset. And so they get the report right away. And, and of course, um, the receptionist or the secretary has the leisure to type out yeah. fairly involved sentences, whereas the inspector who's making notes, it's you know, a crack in the window. Anyways, you, you, you do a great job. Thanks for coming online, Kerry. Uh, That's Kerry Smith from Inspectech. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be coming back talking about property management in Stratas. Back shortly. You're joining us, and this is The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. Today we're talking about buying a strata condominium or townhouse. We've had conversations with Denise Webster, who is our show partner and a mortgage broker, talking about the things that people need to look out for when buying a condo in terms of mortgage financing. We've also had Carrie Smith from InspectTech, who is a building inspector, having discussed things that he does in a strata with a reminder that stratas should make sure that their roof hatches are locked. Uh, and right now we have with us Dennis Fimright. Dennis is with Firm Management. Firm Management is a property management uh, firm, I guess, um, that manages many stratas in Greater Victoria. Thanks for coming, Dennis. Happy to be here. Do you know off the top of your head how many stratas you manage in town? We manage about 180 different strata corps, from as small as seven units to as big as 300. Great. Uh, consumers often wonder what the role of the property management company is. How would you describe that? Essentially, we look after the day-to-day -day operations for the Strata Council. So a lot of our duties are, uh, are things that the Strata Council would be doing if we weren't there. But essentially what we do is collect all of the fees from all of the owners, uh, work with the council to prepare the budgets, pay all of the ongoing bills and uh, arrange for the services for the, for the different stratas, and provide professional advice to the strata council members. The, the act is uh, more and more complicated, especially in the last five years, and now with the Civil Resolution Tribunal coming in, it gets uh, more complicated again. 
Well, it's important to know that, generally speaking, the strata councils, so like the strata chair, vice chair, treasurer, these are all volunteers. And they're usually all, almost always people that have their own career. This is not a job for them. So to have a professional property manager or management company like yours is pretty important to, to make sure that they're doing the necessary day-to-day -day operations, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, having said that, Tony, there are a lot of self-managed stratas. And in some cases, some retired people in there that have lots of time and have the skills and the abilities. So there's some fantastic self-managed buildings out there. Uh, but for most buildings, you'll you'll want to see that a strata manager management company is is uh, in and available. Well, I'm going to have a question for Denise in a second here, and, and that has to do with uh, property management. So, uh, um, Denise, Dennis just brought up um, self-managed buildings. Yeah. Uh, is this an area of concern when it people can are getting be. There financing? are definitely some lenders out there that will not want to consider lending on a property that's self-managed. They do want to see it run by a property manager. We can find a lender out there that will look at those self-managed buildings, and as long as they are taking good minutes and they're they're documenting everything, and we can provide those same documents this, that the property manager would would be providing, uh, we would be able to find a lender. But yes, you would limit your lenders. Yeah. So, and that's the thing, right, Dennis? I mean, I we've seen some self-managed buildings that that do very well, but it's a it's a confidence sign for someone who's thinking of buying, knowing that there's a professional property management company in the background, right? Yeah, certainly it's a safety net. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and there's there's almost there's always a property manager during uh, annual general meetings, special general meetings, and things like that at Estrada, right? Yeah, well, Strata Corps can get different levels of management if we're involved and we want to be at all of the meetings that both the Strata Council has and the, and the uh, owners have. But there would be cost involved, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other thing that strata property management companies do, uh, you sort of touched on it, is taking care of the finances of the strata, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a very important uh, aspect of buying a strata corporation. Essentially, you're buying a share in a corporation, and you want to look at the uh, finances to make sure that uh, proper savings are being uh, made for contingency things like roofs and sidings and doors and things like that. So, so take a look at the balance sheet. Take a look at the uh, at the budgets for the last couple of years and make sure that things are being properly run. Well, and this is something that that Carrie touched on just a few moments ago, with, especially with newer buildings. People just assume that everything's fine, and as buildings start aging, more issues start coming up and. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it would be helpful to have a, property, a skilled property manager uh, on side to be able to identify problems before they happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. My, my rule of thumb, and most, most developers usually have relatively low contributions to contingency. It's especially important if you're buying into a townhouse to take a look at, at that number. Yeah. My rule of thumb is kind of $1,000 per year per unit. So you might be moving into a 20-unit uh, townhouse development. Your cost to maintain the exterior of your unit, you know, certainly if you think $1,000 a year in terms of roofing and siding and painting and all that isn't very much. Mm -hmm. So that strata typically, I would say, should be putting uh, at least $20,000 a year away. And usually the, the number on the budget is 3000 or 4000 For the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Dennis Fimrate from Firm Management talking about managing properties which are stratas getting back to what you just said developers generally don't uh, put a lot into budgets when a development is new there seems to be a reason for that it's almost like they want to make sure that the strata fees are attractive enough for new buyers to want to come and look at it but they're not taking into account long-term 
concerns, right? Well, most buyer, most developers are pretty good at it, but obviously the lower the strata fees are, which are part of the expenses of the purchaser, uh, the, uh, the, the better mortgage and, and more amount in mortgage that they can qualify from their income. So it's kind of a thin, thin line. But uh, most developers are pretty good on the meat of the budget. Uh, but it's the contingency that usually uh, gets bumped up in the first few years. And thinking of older buildings now, too, uh, it's, I, I, I suppose it's an area of concern if we see an older, like a 1970s building that has a what seems like abnormally low monthly strata fee. It, I mean, it causes me to raise an eyebrow. Yeah. Are they saving enough money? Yeah, absolutely. And there are some buildings like that. We're seeing quite a few that we manage that are going through a, a, a rebirth of the outside, essentially. Not because they were leaky condos, but because they're 40 years old. And, they're due. And they're due and uh, some of those buildings now look fantastic and the units inside are nice and large uh, but you want to be careful particularly if nothing's been done in the building that they either have a whole pile of money sitting in their bank account or you're going to have to expect special assessments. Yeah we've talked about special assessments on this show already too that's the unwanted surprise that owners don't want Um, but I agree with you I mean especially down uh, in Fairfield I've seen a whole bunch of older buildings that are being reclad and they look amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a, a whole new life on uh, on these units. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of times the owners in those buildings uh, are are opposed to the idea, no, we don't want to spend all that money, but as soon as the exterior looks fantastic, they spend all the money upgrading the corridors and the lobbies and things as well. Mm. And essentially, they have a new building. So here's a question for you. What, as a property manager, what is, this is a, this is a tough question. I'm sorry I didn't prepare you for this one here. Um, what's your biggest frustration when dealing with a strata that maybe strata should know about? Uh, strata councils are always interesting to deal with. The way that we think it should be run is that the strata council is the board of directors, essentially, and the property manager is the executive officer. There's mutual respect back and forth. Uh, we don't work for them. Uh, we work with them. And it's important that that relationship is there and that we're working hand-in-hand with councils. If that isn't there, then, then there's trouble. And, uh, you know, certainly council members uh, have a duty and obligation to act in the best interest of all of the owners, regardless of what their personal uh, feelings are on any particular issue. So if, if you have a, a bone to pick or, or a thing that you want to see through, the last place you want to be is on council, because uh, if you're in a conflict of interest, you have to step out of those meetings. So... We just look for, for things to run smoothly, and if they don't, we try and solve that problem. Yeah, and, and I know there's a lot of buildings that run nice and smoothly, especially yeah. with the help of uh, companies like yours, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, you know, that's a great analogy. So talking about the fact that it's a board of directors and a CEO, uh, because I, I also have read some Strata Minutes where it's almost like a dictatorship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly there are some buildings where there's a strong personality, yeah. uh, and it's important for all of council to, to make sure that they're working together and making decisions. And, and we've we've actually let go of buildings before where there, that was a, a situation and the other council members weren't willing to stand up. Uh, happy to say that, that that building is back with us again now, but sometimes it takes a bit of a revolt. Well, you know, the, the overall theme here of today's show is just making sure as a consumer that you're looking into everything all the details before moving ahead with a strata. We talked about mortgages. We talked about building inspection. And, of course, with you, Dennis, we touched on uh, looking at minutes and and making sure that the culture. So it's really you're buying into a, a cooperative, like you said, but you're also buying into a culture mm-hmm. and, and wanting to know um, what's that culture like. 
Yeah, and some buildings certainly have uh, stronger cultures than other buildings. Uh, there's more of a community feel. Yeah. Uh, there's some that uh, the owners don't necessarily want to, you know, they want to turn the key and go off south for six months. Yeah. So people need to reach you, Dennis. How do they do that? Uh, firm management, uh, 250-544-2300. And yeah, the website? Yeah, we've got a website as well, Firm Management. If you Google that, it'll pop right up. <laughs> Great. Thanks for joining us, Dennis. So on today's show, we had Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Smith from Inspectech, and Dennis Fimwright, Firm Management, talking about stratas and things you need to know about buying a strata. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be here, the whole home show, with me, Tony Joe, this time next week.